500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you G'day everybody, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 109, 2018 in review. My name is Jermaine, and I am joined by the band, Dan and Stephen. How are you guys going? Very good, Jermaine, very good. Happy New Year to you and to you as well, Stephen. And likewise for everyone um, there in listening Phantom Land. Absolutely. Awesome. So... As is a little bit of a tradition, now, we don't have many traditions, apart from running late and <laughs> going off the run sh- and not following the run sheet, but one of the... That sounds like a lot of traditions. <laughs> one of the few traditions we do have, which I believe was a, a Joe tradition that originally it started from, um, was that we do a best of the previous year in the early January, in January. So it is January 2019, so we're going to be doing a quick review of 2018. Well, can I add so, two things to that? One, the chances of this being a quick review are slim. And two, uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. I like the way we do this because I hate the best of 2018 stuff that came out with two or three weeks to go, you know, trying to get it in before Christmas or whatever. Stuff happens in the last two or three weeks of the year, and I like that we get it covered as well. So we are January 1st to December 31st, 2018, covering the whole box and dice. You, you raise a good point because the Christmas um, uh, free cover was a very good cover, and in a lot of best of 2018s, it probably got missed out. Exactly. So, okay. So what we're going to do, first of all, is we're going to do a tale of the tape. we run through a bit of figures and stuff, and then we're going to go through and we're going to be doing our best free cover, each of us. Then we're going to go through the best non-free cover, and there's about... Oh, probably about 10 things we're going to go through and we're going to take in turns and we're going to have a little bit of an arguing with it, probably, which everyone seems to <laughs> like and we're going to have a bit of fun. And, so, and um, uh, also we're going to talk through some of the results of the Best of 2018 survey, which uh, a lot of people have put uh, their responses in. So um, we'll be hearing a bit from the fans in general as well. So it's not just us, it's also um, the crowd is speaking as well, which is really good. That's it. And we've had over 300 people uh, putting their vote in. So, um, yeah, that was amazing numbers. So we thank everyone for that. All right. Are you guys ready? Yep. I've I've actually broken with tradition tonight, Jim. Oh, no. What have you done? What have you done? I've I've left the confines of the car. It's a bit oh. warm down here in Ballarat at the moment, so I'm sitting outside. I've got I've sprayed the air guard. <laughs> I should spray it on the computer actually, because the bugs are going all over the screen. <laughs> so it's in, a little bit cooler out here. It's good. So dogs over here. Where the dog if, go? If you hear a buzzing in your headphones, that's uh, not anything to do with your equipment. It's probably Stephen's um, recording companions down there in Ballarat. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Just waiting for the neighbours to say, what the hell is that bloke talking about? They can only hear one side of a three-sided conversation. (laughs) 
Uh, to be fair, I think sometimes that even happens on our podcast between us as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's do the tale of Tate. We're going to touch upon Fru because that's just where we start things. So of Fru, we had 28 regular issues, which was between 1801 and 1828. So the first time, uh, first time stories have been published by Fru. So this is regardless of age. So even if it was originally published 40 years ago, but it's the first time it's been published by Fru, that classifies. So the first time published by Fru, and this is stories, is 32. So we've seen 32 stories for the first time. And then previously published by Fru, so whether this is newspaper stories or um, uh, some of the girl phantom stories which we had seen before, um, that is 20 stories. So there's been 50-odd stories that we've seen this year, which is pretty good numbers. So that's just in the regular issues? Uh, yes, just so the regular 52 issues. 52 stories in the regular issues, that's um, one a week. You've you got to be pretty happy with that. That's good math yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not including um, Heart of Darkness and Gaslight. Right, cool. Okay, so along with the 28 regular issues, we have seen four issues of Kid Phantom, plus a trade paperback. We've Which seen... I just bought today. <laughs> Nothing We've like keeping seen... up, Steve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I think there's been two out, and you've brought it just now. Um... <laughs> uh, there's been four issues of Phantom's World, four issues of Giant Size Phantom, and of the trade paperbacks, there has been two, and that is including the 70th and the Kid Phantom, which Steve has just brought today. So, if you do all of those maths, in 2017, there was 36 issues. 2018. No, no. no. Listen, no. Listen to his numbers Listen. that he's using, Dan. Have faith. You Have said faith. it right. I am following the run sheet. In 2017, we have had 36 issues, whether that's trade paperbacks, an extra one. In 2018, which is what we're reviewing uh. right now, there is 42 <laughs> So uh, we To be have... fair, Stephen, as an aside, is it impossible <laughs> that Jermaine might have said 2017 when he meant 2018? Oh, his track record's <laughs> against him. <laughs> I okay. know she said girl found money before that when that was the year before. I'll, I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you a bit more, <laughs> a bit more rope next time. <laughs> okay, so... Um... This year was the Westerns, mate. Yeah, Girl that's right. was the year before. Yes. So it was, it was <laughs> I let that one slide. <laughs> yeah, so did I, mate. Okay, so, so if you understood any of that, and if you listened on more, Dan, um, there's been six extra issues in 2018 than 2017, which is pretty good, guys. Because that's not just six more stories, Very good. that's six more books. Six yeah. more books, exactly. Yeah, cool. Which, yeah, so... Um, that, that's pretty cool. That's you know that's less. That's just under one a week. Yeah. Um, which is probably why I'm so broke. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that's just through uh, Herms, which is the American publication. Uh, they've only. It's been a quite a year for those guys. Uh, they've released zero issues of the uh, John F. Kennedy series, which we are led to believe that. It might actually be coming out very, very soon. Uh, there is, but we'll talk about that later. There's been one Sunday um, 
trade paperback and one daily trade paperback and two Avon novel uh, releases. So it's only four issues for Herms at the moment for the uh, 2018. Egmont, uh, Phantom Met, which is Norway, uh, had 13 in their final year. And then Phantom Men had 19. Uh, Comics Review, uh, which uh, do every bi-monthly, did six, which is 12 divided by two, for those who want to check my maths. Um, And the past year, there has been none with the Phantom on the cover, unless you include uh, Jeremy McPherson, which has a huge Phantom uh, influence or... Uh, who did a f- comics review cover. And then lastly, you have the... I went, I went through uh, them all. The Flash Gordon. It was the Flash Gordon one. Oh, yes, but it's not, there's no Phantom on the cover. Yeah, I'm drawing a long bow one. Just Very long. Dra- <laughs> <laughs> there's no Phantom unless you count this one, which was Flash Gordon. <laughs> well, no, I said there was none, and unless you include, you know, Jeremy, who one has a huge Phantom. guy who once drew Phantom. Or yeah. many times as drawn pen, a phantom artist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a long bow, and we're, name dropping, and we're name dropping here. So, hello, Jeremy. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we've had the one issue from Lightning Strikes, which kind of, uh, which we've only done the one. We haven't done the second one, which no, I, I believe is all come to the 2019 issue, the yeah. number two. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what I think as well. So if you if you include all of those, you've got 42 uh, plus 26 plus 4, so that's uh, uh, that's 30, 30 uh, 37 plus 42. So you're looking at 79 issues featuring the Phantom released throughout throughout the world in 2018, which is quite a lot. It is. Which is yeah, no, so, it, it is a lot, and it, it's interesting because I, I, we do get feedback from time to time saying, "Oh, you guys focus on Frew a lot," and there's there's obviously the reason for that that we're all Australians and that's our our local comic. But <laughs> um, also the numbers say that uh, Frew are just pumping out a lot more fandom books than the rest of the world combined. So it's uh, understandable mm. that Frew would form the the majority of of the conversations we have on the podcast. I think. Mm. Oh, actually, I did forget one Egmont, and that was their pirate special. Oh, and their Christmas special, but still, that you know, so still I did, still. If it's a competition, they still win. Yes, <laughs> the raw numbers have spoken. Which, if you're an Australian, you make anything into a competition. Uh, only if you're winning. Especially if you win. <laughs> <laughs> Cricket is not a competition that we've got any interest in. For instance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except maybe. Well, did we, did we do all right in the one day? I missed that, but I think we did yeah, all right. No, there, we, didn't we? we did. We did. We did. Uh, hello to all our Indian listeners. Um, <laughs> you can drop us comments about the fact that it's actually the test match that does count instead of the one day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the best fruit covers to start off with. We're going to choose three. Uh, then once we've done our top three, we're going to give you the top. What is it? The top ten, 10, top ten idea, as yeah. voted by the Fru public. So, Stephen, do you want to go first with your top three, mate? My top three in no particular order whatsoever. Um, eighteen twenty-eight, the Christmas special, because it's just a lot of fun. Mm. Um, eighteen mm. eighteen nineteen, Red Zone by um, Jamie Johnson. What was really good about that was seeing the process um, he worked through to 
before the uh, finishing cover. That was um, something that I really enjoyed seeing with our uh, conversations off air with with Jamie. And 1815, well, I mean, number three, I've given it away already. 1815, got to put Saviuk in there. <laughs> that was the Man with Six Fingers cover, wasn't it? It was, and it's yeah. a, gr- a great cover with you know the, the fist coming forward. Yes. And, you know, he's knocking out the bad guy. I always like it when he's doing that. Yeah. Mm. So they're my top three. Now, just for those who are wondering, uh, the signature series for that issue has started to creep through people's uh, mailboxes uh, today and last Friday. So if you're a signature series subscriber and you're still waiting for that, you should be receiving it. Well, you should have received it by the time you actually listen to this. It's a nice that, segue there. Arriving, it, that was no planned at all. No, is that, is that no. that's arriving with the annual, is it? Yes. Yeah, cool. I'm looking forward to, to seeing that in the in the letterbox. So, Dan, do you want to give us your top three? Yeah, I'm pretty similar to Stephen there, actually. Um, the Well, the order, as, as we said, this is our top three. We're not going one, two, and three or whatever. Um, I certainly had um, Jamie Johnson's Red Zone cover, um, 1819, the, the dangling from the building, um, as one of those top three. And again, I, I wasn't sure, Steve, whether we were being influenced by seeing the process, but I, just, I do think that even if you just see the final result, it's a, it's a stunning cover, and the, the colours as well um, really mm-hmm. makes that pop. Um, the Christmas... It's also something different as well, isn't it? Yeah, like the Phantom almost being upside down on the cover with his boot over the top of the header, at, um, you know, when we, you know, just the way that uh, the, the point of view that Jamie captured there was, was really good um, and captured some of the what was going on in the story but and put an extra little spin on it. Um, the Christmas special I've also included in my top three just because you know, I'm firmly on the record, I love a Christmas special and that got the most, I think, visceral reaction from me from all of the covers in terms of I saw that <laughs> and I just had a laugh and every one of my family had a laugh and we, we all enjoyed that cover. So for, for general appeal... Um, Jeff Weigel, I'll give him a shout out for the, the Christmas special cover as well. Um, probably though, if I, if I was going to rank them one, two, three, I probably would put 1813 as my top cover. Um, not the Supernova Jam cover, though I did enjoy that, but the, the regular series, the Femme Fatale special by Christopher Weil. Um, the colouring again was stunning on that, just that sort of shade of purpley magenta. I don't know, a girl would probably have a better name for the colour than what I've got, but there it is. Um, and the big profile of the Phantom with the four females uh, protagonists or antagonists um, in the in the foreground there as well. It was a it was a great cover, and um, I'm really pleased that I've got the poster of that one. So, so do you go wow or do you go wow, <laughs> Christopher wow? <Wall. laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> what about you, Jim? Where do you where do you finish on the free? Two, uh, same was me for me, uh, very similar with 1813 with the Supernova Regulars uh, special by Christopher Wow. Um, the Red Zone, for all the reasons that you did as well, but for me also the 70th. Now, it's different. The, are, you talking, um, wait, are you talking the 70th trade paperback? Yeah, 70th trade paperback. Not the Siberian yeah. one? No, the 70th trade paperback. I'll just edit that note just so... Uh, to keep it um, uh, consistent. Well, I can um, see yeah, that now, but the listeners are listening. So. <laughs> <laughs> the seventieth trade paperback. Now it is different. Now it's got the skull on the wrong finger, but in my opinion, for what they were trying to do, and that was to stand up against all the other trade paperbacks and have a impact that would cause people to buy it. I think it 
knocked it out of the park for that. Mm. Now, that was an awesome cover. I can't, mm. one, can't believe I forgot to put it in my top three. <laughs> I have to make it's, the top four and put it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, um, it, you know, I know some traditionalists won't like it and all that, but for the purpose it had, it it it, it did its job. And it, in my opinion, just on the cover, it would have sold a lot of issues just purely on the cover. And so for all of those reasons, plus that it's a, it's a powerful image, uh, was the reason why it gets in my top three. Fair enough. All right, do you want me to go through the uh, 2018, the, the survey results from the fans? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so you've heard ours, uh, our opinions, and um, you, you're probably not going to be shocked to hear that our opinions, um, uh, well, all of, all of the, the issues we've mentioned, except for... Um, Stephen's Saviuk cover, also featuring the top 10, as voted by the fans. Um, interestingly, the top three covers, as voted by the fans, are all Jamie Johnson covers. So Red Zone, 1819, came out as number one by in the fan survey. Uh, Black Dagger, part two, so 1808, was second, and 1807 was third. So a massive congratulations to Jamie Johnson for taking out um, covers one, two, and three in the uh, Best Of survey. If we continue working through the top ten, the Femme Fatale cover by Christopher Weil did come in at number four. The Freddie Williams III cover on the 70th anniversary trade paperback, as mentioned by Jermaine, there was fifth. Jason Paulos came into sixth with his Rise of the Red Dragon cover on Fru 1823. Grange Wallace, who has was his first ever Fru cover, um, is uh, seventh. For the Stone Carving People, issue 18. Oh, I really like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's an unusual style, very different style, and uh, mm. people have clearly mm. warmed to it. Jeff Weigel's Christmas special came in at number eight, issue 1828. Cy Barry, classic Cy Barry, um, with his cover for issue 1820, the 70th anniversary special, regular issue not the trade paperback, um, came in at ninth. And in tenth place was Kid Phantom number five, Paul Mason's cover, and I think that's the London story, Kid Phantom five, if I remember rightly. No worries. So a huge thank you for everyone who um, uh, voted. Now, the winners of that are going to be announced by Fruit, I believe, or are we still umming and ahhing over that one? Uh, well, we haven't heard back from Fru as to how they want us to do that, so I don't think we can announce winners until we've, we've heard from them as to, to what they want to do. Either way, the winners of the Fru Crew badges will get published on our website, for sure. Um, while there was, as Jermaine says, there was over 300 entries into the survey, which makes it really representative. I think that's really important to know, is that uh, with so many entries, this really is the... Um, something that you can look at and go, okay, so we know what people are thinking. Um, there was there was over 250 people who entered and left email addresses saying that, yes, we're keen to win the uh, the Fru Crew badges. And by the time you take out um, certainly us and our families and um, any of the creators and their families, um, there's still going to be, um, uh, you know, <laughs> You're going to be lucky to win a Fruit Crew badge out of this one, it's fair to say. So um, yes. that will be a random draw, and um, it'll be announced by Fru, and it'll also be up on our website in the uh, coming week or so. Exactly. No worries. So thank you again for everyone on that, and Dan for doing that um, list on the Google uh, form thing. Okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is the best non-Fruit cover. So, as we discussed before, there was about 80-odd issues, about 42 were through, and then there was about 30-odd 
for everyone else. So basically, we're going to go through those, and then we're going to give us our um, our top three. So start off with Dan. Uh, sure. Um, my number one non-fruit cover was the Lightning Strikes number one cover. Um, I'm absolutely going to butcher the pronunciation of this name because I don't know how to speak Gaelic or Irish or I don't even know if this gentleman is from that part of the world. I hope we'll he see. is. Uh, he is there. So yep. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it Ocean Roche. Um, sorry, mate. Um, but just <laughs> a really classic cover for mine. It was it harkened mm. back mm. to the George Wilson covers of from the Avon series actually for for just yes. the style I thought and uh, to see that sort of uh, old school cover produced um you know a few little things that we wouldn't have seen before like the glowing skull th- um eyes in the in the skull cave but just the way the hero's rearing up and the the lithe phantom i really enjoyed that one and, and the color scheme um in terms of my other top three uh, both Fantuman stories number 16 uh of 2018 was by henrik solstrom um, I really like that cover. It's probably a bit of an unusual one, but the reason I like it is it's got these two, the two roughnecks are in the foreground. You can see their faces, and I think it's really hard to draw um, faces effectively in a close-up and and capture a realness about them, and, and, and I felt that Henrik did that in this cover. And then, of course, you've got the Phantom sort of leaping out of the out of the logo at the top of the page to descend on the, the roughnecks and dispense some justice. So... I really liked that one. And uh, Fantuman 24, which I think was the Blood Rain cover um, yes. by Sal Voluto with him, uh, with the Phantom kneeling in the... Again, it's the colour. I mentioned that with um, uh, with the Christopher Wilde cover. Just a, a really uh, full red cover with the rain coming down and, and titled Blood Rain and the, the anguish on the Phantom's face as he's kneeling there in the water. It, uh, I'm really looking forward to reading that story almost entirely on the grounds of that cover alone. So um, those are my three best non-fruit covers. Awesome. All right. Well, I think where are we? Sorry, I'm just moved. I'll go um, next. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I want to go Phantom Man number two slash three, which is the flame story, which is the story um, uh, of the fan, one of the past phantoms meeting his wife. It's a very, very popular story in Sweden and also Australia. Uh, it's basically, it's got um, Flame, which is the phantom's wife, in the phantom costume and the phantom doing sword fights. And then in the background, there's a ghost, ghostly style ship, old style ship. I just, I don't know, always enjoyed that story. And the cover, again, the colours, the contrast, the two phantoms... It's just, um, yeah, I just always like that. Always like that cover when I first saw it. Um, the other one would be basically the ones, well, I kind of cheated and kind of went full. So two of the next three are the lighting, lightning strikes for all the reasons that uh, Dan mentioned and the blood rain for which you mentioned as well. <clears throat> and the other one that deserves, uh I think that deserves a quick mention is Phantom Man 2526, which is another Henrik Solstrom, um, how would you call it, uh, cover, which is the Phantom rearing up on Hero with uh, on his hind legs with the uh, Phantom head peak in the background. And um, I'm not sure if you guys saw that email from uh, Mikel Sol where he where he told us that that cover. The, it was a bit of a play on an old uh, Neapolitan Bowen Hart um, painting of of him on a horse. 
So that's Napoleon Bonaparte for people who yeah. didn't get germs pronunciation. <laughs> I think he uh, likes the ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> ziggy piggy. Isn't that where it's, isn't that where it's uh, come from? Yeah, no, absolutely. The French emperor from the uh, early 1800s and also Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, more commonly. <laughs> uh, all right, so Stephen? Um, I've, uh, a couple of quick ones, which I've just realised are both Infantomet and Phantomen. Um, uh, of course, and Lightning Strike 1, I'll, I'll put that one out there already because you guys already mentioned it. Um but when I was looking here, I went to Phantomet first, and it was issues 11 and 13, which I think are also doubled up in Phantom Men. Yes. Um, so let me just look on here on the computer. So, um, right. don't 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 ignore the the Norwegians. They've got a, had a hard uh, 2018. So well, they have. So I'll go know, the Mets. Yeah, <laughs> go the Mets. Give them a bit of give them something to be happy about. So, yeah, well, when I looked on Phantom Wiki and I just looked at all the covers there and, and um, those two, I think, took my eyes straight away, I think. Um, I don't know why. They just I just thought they looked good. <laughs> um, but also Phantom at 5, that's an honourable mention there, mm. Mm. which I think is Sal Valudo. It is. It's uh, off the Clint Eastwood, based yeah. off the Clint Eastwood... Um Oh, movie poster, I believe. I can't remember the name of the movie, though, sorry. I want to say The Outlaw uh, Josie. Yeah, Daddy's Outlaw Josie yeah. Wales, yep. That's it, yeah. There you go. Cool, anything you want to add, Stephen, or should we move on? Nah, I'm moving on. Okay, so next thing we're going to talk about is the best writer. Now, originally we did say two, but I, I came up with two and I Cheated broke again. two. Um, so well, let me I reckon go. we've only done one in the past and then all of a sudden you've said let's do two and you've written down four <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him yeah it did like, I kept writing, I kept going oh what about this person what about this person what about this person so I've kind of merged Elf Granberg and Lundstrom as one person um, and that's for the classic stories that we saw in through this year uh, about the first Phantom, about the third Phantom. And I just loved um, the stories that they created, which helped, we're not going to get into an argument about this, but helped either added or helped established the Phantom lore. And, and I just, I, I enjoy those stories because, um, you know, I, I enjoy learning more about the past Phantoms and, and stuff like that. Uh, also, you got it. I have to give Lee Falk a mention because some of my most favourite stories from him were actually published in this year, and that was Slave Market of Mucar, which I agree with Om when he says that was probably uh, Cybari's best story. Uh, that's, you know, one of my all-time favourite stories. And then another one of my all-time favourite stories was The Mass Marvel, which actually also made an appearance in one of the collector, the replica series, sorry. And then another one which I've got to give, which is to David Bishop uh, for Red Zone. I just really enjoyed that story. I enjoyed seeing the Phantom in uh, Australia's eighth state or ninth state or how many states we got? Um, New Zealand's part of Australia, right? <laughs> you don't need a passport here. Um, <laughs> uh, that's just more of a digger to uh, all the Kiwi listeners. Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed that story. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, just the way he integrated uh, New Zealand, the purpose of, you know, the whole Christchurch, but then also the um, the Marshall sisters as well. I really enjoyed that little twist as well. Uh, Stephen, do you want to go next, mate? Yep, well, I did like um, the Red Zone story as well, but um, I'm going to go with uh, Tony DePaul for Reckoning of the Nomad. I was glued to that every single morning. Mm, good I am... Yep, I couldn't wait to see what was happening next. And I'm going to go Andrew Constant for Kid Phantom and Skyban. Um, I can't remember the full title of the, of the Skyban story that he did. Um, in the but, yeah, trade paperback, that was in, in, the, in the trade paperback, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, but I thought, um, yeah, Andrew's been doing a fantastic job this year as well. Totally agree, mate. Very good choices. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and, and I probably should uh, apologies to Andrew Constant for leaving him off this yes. list because um, that, I really like the way that he um, takes Phantom Law and, and adds to it and, and, and builds within the universe without, um, you know, uh, going too Keeps far. Keeps the focused happy. Yeah, keeping the focused happy. That's, yeah. a, that's a good way that's of putting it. That's a good it. point. Um, for my two, um, I've, I've uh, also locked in Tony DePaul, um, and I'm, I'm going to, I guess, use Jermaine's reasoning of you can use, uh, you can nominate them for stories that were not written in 2018 but got published in 2018 because uh, Curse of Old Man Moz was in the Christmas special, and and uh, I'm with you, Steve, about Reckoning of the Nomad. That that was a riveting story, and I was, you know, waiting every morning to to see the next instalment of that, as I am at the moment, actually, with um, Helen's mm. Comes Home. But, um, yeah, so having the, the newspaper story and then the, the that great story from last year that was published by Fru, uh, so Tony DePaul takes um, top writer for me. And I'm also going to include Dale McCanty for similar reasons to what I said about Andrew Constant, I think, because Dale has done really well in terms of taking existing stories, so Red, um, the Red Dragon saga, and writing the prequel to that in two parts, which was um, um, which was really well done and tied neatly into the the storyline that had been established, and uh, also his um, sla- uh, Child Soldiers of Makar, which again was in the 70th trade paperback, which again um, worked really well with um, you know as a sequel to an existing story. So in terms of someone who can take um, something that's already there and then build on it in a way that um, is faithful to it but extends it. Um, yeah, Dale McCandy would be my other um, top writer of 2018. Mm. And I like, um, there's been a real trend with that, even with the ones that I talked about as well, which were more of the classic stories published in the 70s and 80s, where through, uh, I, I don't know whether it's by design or whether it's just a happy coincidence, We'll say it's by design and we'll give, uh, give them the uh, Dudley, Dudley and Glenn some credit. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but there's been a real like adding to the folklore with the stories that they have chosen for this year, um, which I, I think is important because through, which we've discussed so many times on the podcast, we don't want to go over it too much, but through have a, a legacy issue with a lot of their readers, where a lot of the readers are of the older generation and i think it's for them to um be satisfied but also to accept these oldest st- these newer stories you have to um uh what do you call it you have to have stories that are have got phantom law and forkisms all the way through it mm. so 
I think Frill have done a good job in choosing stories that uh, add to the folklore in both the new stories by people like Andrew Constant and Dale McCanty, as well as the older stories that they've uh, published for the first time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, Stephen, anything you want to add? You want to say that it was a good point by me as well, or should we move on? Oh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I'd done that. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to talk about the first, uh, the first, the best story artist. Um, I think I've gone two this time, and Dan's gone three, and Stephen's gone three as well. So, um, Stephen, do you want to go first, mate? Yep. Um, well, I've got, I'm giving an honourable mention to Jason Paulos for, for his work that he's done this year. Um, it's really grown on me, his work, and um, so yeah, I like the darkness and the, the way he does his work. I've, I've been really enjoying it. But my, my first two, um, Paul Mason for Kid Fam, you, you, every issue, you can't wait to, to go through it and, and look at the way he's um, set everything out. Um, so Paul, Paul Mason, definitely um, for my number one. And my number two, um, I'm going to go for... Uh, is it Raphael Ruiz for Red Zone? Um, I, I didn't go through every issue before voting. I just remember enjoying that um, that story. So um, I'm going to go for Raphael Ruiz in Red Zone for my um, second favourite artist. Yeah, good choices. Hmm. I almost feel guilty like when someone else says something. It's like, oh, I should have included them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of having the three of us. We can cover a few more bases than just having someone who, uh, yeah, that's good. Dan, do you want to give us uh, your four that you've got? Four. I've got two. Um, I've only got two, but I like Stephen, I've given out an honourable mention for someone who I wish I could have got in my top two, but didn't. Um, so I'll start with my top two. And um, So Massimo Gimberi for Legacy of the Reef. In terms of a story artist, I really... Loved what he did there. Very classic, mm-hmm. um, very beautiful, realistic styling. Um, lots of different panel sizes. Lots of fun on the page, but quite a quite a serious story. And and you got that impression from the artwork as well. And also really reminiscent of um, of Cyberry's style. And um, given that it was a, a sequel to a Cyberry story, Legacy of the Reef. Um, then uh, I thought that fitted really, really well. And my other best story, uh, best story artist, uh, would be Paul Mason for all the same reasons as what um, Steve has said about um, Kid Phantom. Um, it's just such a fun and vibrant comic, and the colours in it, and the action in it, and uh, the way that he also drops in all of the little Easter eggs and the homages to uh, Lee Fork and the and the Phantom history and. Uh, old stories from the 50s and 60s. I think that's just fantastic. In terms of the honourable mention, um, is someone else who I think has, who I, whose art I only saw for the first time this year, even though most of it was produced many years ago, um, and that's Ozkap Erlap, the Turkish artist. Um, we saw, I think, three of his stories in the Wild West Annual, and he also did Garand's Secret. So um, an honourable mention to him, and probably uh, tinged with a little bit of sadness with the news that we've mm. only heard um, in the last couple of hours that uh, reports that he's passed um, in the last few days. And uh, we haven't confirmed those. When we do, I'm sure um, between ourselves and um, Jermaine's connections and perhaps Andreas, that we'll, we'll certainly get a... Uh, 
a, a Vale RIP type post up on the website um, about him, but for for the work that he did in the and the clean lines and the the, the reminiscent of Cyberius work, um, I'll, I'll give him my honourable mention. You raise you raise a brilliant point about him. What what I think where his if I was to probably boil down his legacy, it would be he did the bridge between um, reprint stories to new adventures for Phantom Men or. Uh, and Senate back in the day is because like at, at, at the start he was adding panels, redrawing panels of all the Wilson McCoy stories and Ray Moore stories and then by the time he finished he was actually doing his own stories so he was kind of like that, that bridge between the old to when they actually got the license to be able to produce their own stories okay. um, and I, I think that's a very important uh, I'm glad you mentioned him Dan um, and we won't we won't spend too much time on it because, like you said, we will have a um, a a, 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 a a post to talk about his legacy and stuff like that on the website, and we'll share it on Facebook and stuff like that. But um, yeah, glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah, for all of those reasons. That well, you I'm said. looking forward to finding out more about him because some of that you've just mentioned I didn't know. So yeah, well there you go. Hmm. That's. What we try and do, or we try to do that with the Ray Moore little uh, piece that we did the other week as well, hmm. uh, which we just try and, and what we do with all our social media posts, just to try and give someone just something that they can learn for the day, and it's fancy related, which is even better. All right, so my best two story artists, I've actually kept to the two this year, uh, so... Um, this time, I've actually thought of a second honourable mention, actually. One, one category ago, you had four out of your two, so... <laughs> That's why I thought it might be good to actually mention. I've actually done it this time. <laughs> um, Steve, we'll get your second honorary mention after Jermaine said his. <laughs> no worries. Um, so Gambero, for the, exactly the same reasons as what you did, Dan. One, he nailed the, in my opinion, what was the scope of the project, and that was to mirror a Cybari. He did it with the the way he did his panels, in the sense that. The, the way the panels were created, the way the, the, the art flowed, the um, but also the drawing style, but also like the, the background. Like mm. when I think of Cyberry, I think of the beautiful background work. You know, like where the background, in a sense, was just as much detail and effort was put into that as what the foreground looks. Like I've got a Cyberry right in front of me now, and it's the Phantom on the Hero. And in the background is jungle, and it's full of jungle scenery, you know. And it would have probably taken probably longer doing the background than what it would to actually draw the phantom. And Gamberry, with his art in that story, it reminded me of that. And um, and I'd already loved his work based on some of the stuff that I'd um, seen and received and stuff. But that story made me realise that you know, Fru need to lock that man down. Um, mm. and make sure he only does free stories from now on. <laughs> um, the other story, the other artist that I want to make mention is Jamie Val. Um, he did all the classic, uh, Simic stories that we've seen, saw this year. And I, I remember every time we've done a comics and news and we were talking about those stories, whether we like the story or not, and, you know, every single one of us were like, wow. The art is amazing. The action, the big panels, you know, it's it stood up back in the 70s and 80s when he produced it, and it still stands up 
you know, 20, 30, 40 years later. Um, so, yeah, they're the two that I have. Very good. And who was your who was your bonus late entry, Steve? Uh, Shane Foley for his yes. uh, trade paperback. Yeah. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It mm. was. I enjoyed his... Um, Loved his trade paperback. I also enjoyed his little Phantom Easter eggs in the giant size as well. Mm. Yeah, it's all, it, oh. he almost, you've almost got to call those Phantom stories some of them, haven't you, because of mm. the way that he, he inserts uh, those sorts of snippets. And the, the thing that I like about it is that, it, it, in a sense, and I would have read them anyway, but you, whenever I get a giant size, I go for his stuff first, purely based on his art, the way he tells you about this character, which is Sir Falcon, which I know nothing about, but also the phantom elements that are, you know, that are that are snuck in there, which it's fun. Hmm. Hmm. So very good, very good, guys. Okay, so what is everyone's best fruit issue, Dan? Okay, so uh, my single best fruit issue, it's a hard one because, as you said, there's um, 42 different books and um, uh, there's so many great stories, so much great artworks come out. So I guess for me what I was looking for was um, the, the, the complete package and, um, and even then, what does that mean? For me <laughs> what that meant was a book that had some awesome stories, some artwork that I loved, um, mixed it up by including some prose as well and then also um, featured cameos and also showed us a little bit of behind the scenes. And for the complete package in that regard, um, I probably surprised myself and, and have selected the Kid Phantom Collection trade paperback as my single uh, favourite story. And I guess there's the added um, enjoyment of being able to read through that with my son and enjoy that with him. So... Um, yeah. Lots of great stuff, and, and I'm going to, th having a look at what you guys have got, I'm going to throw in an honourable mention at the end, if that's okay, but um, in terms of the single <laughs> best through issue. Oh, okay, well, in, the honourable mention then is going to be the um, issue 1820 um, with the Barry cover. Um, I really love that one, not least of which because it had the Barry cover, but also because of the... Um, the classic stories that were in it and the the two sequels that appeared in it as well. I really enjoyed that. And if I, if I, in terms of a regular issue through, that was probably my favourite single issue of the year. Not necessarily the best stories or the best artwork, but as a as a package. So, but Kid Phantom mm. Collection number one is uh, yeah is where I'm going to land on this one. Very good. Well, for me, it would be the 70th trade paperback. I guess that had me excited about receiving it. Like, wanting, you know, like I was checking my mail, like, every day, waiting for it to come. You know, so I had that excitement. Yeah, I had the, you know, everyone was talking about it. I had great Australian talent. Um, I had news stories. I had colour. It, you know, for all, I guess a lot of the reasons that you said as well, it was probably, yeah, uh, it, it had me excited, and so for me, my best fruit issue or comic for the year would be the 70th trade paperback. Stephen? And, yeah, I've got to agree with you there, Jim. It, it was an absolute brilliant um, publication, that one. I was mm. um, very fortunate to just be in the right place at the right time when the, um, the my local comic shop happened to just open their package, and there it was, and 
So I don't know if anyone had read it before me, apart from anyone there at Fru, and bang, there it was up on the website and the and the video review. I got to do a video review. That was really nice. And, um, and it yeah, was well no. done. It was well done. Thank it you. gave us all a really good insight <laughs> into the book without um, spoiling the new stories for us. So. That's yeah. it. And if you're still sitting on the fence about it, go and check out Steve's video review. And, um, <laughs> Get I'm off sure the damn fence, go and buy the book. That's yes, it. That's it. <laughs> and, awesome. And Jim mentioning that before, you know, he's waiting at the post, waiting at the post. I had that book for, what, a week or two weeks before you even got it? I, that was pretty special as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not often that we've got something before Jermaine, is it, Steve? <laughs> no, not often at all. <laughs> all right. You can just feel the love. <laughs> all right. Best non-fruit issue. Now, for me, the best non-fruit issue would have to be Phantom Man 24, which was the Blood Rain story, which was also the Jam story, uh, which had, oh, crikey, eight artists doing three to four pages each and about a story. Uh, and then in that issue, it also had a Phantom Man Kids story and also a poster as well. So like that issue kind of had everything you know it had some giveaways it had a novelty idea i.e the jam story um and then it had the great cover as well which uh dan mentioned as one of his favorite non-through covers as well so for me that will probably be my best non-through issue of the year Stephen, um this was a tricky one for me because um i didn't really have much non-through things um i did have the avon novels but i haven't read them Yep, mm-hmm. so um, I could say those, but um, probably Lightning Strike would have to be the only other one that I could think of um, that I've had a look at um, that came out this year. Otherwise, yeah, I, I'm a bit of a question mark on that one because I don't really have anything else. <laughs> mm. yep. I'm, I'm probably much in that same park as well because I don't... Don't subscribe to the Scandinavian stuff, and so haven't actually flicked through any of those. And I can understand, Jim, why you would have said Blood Rain, because by the sounds of it, it you know, is into, like what I said with the Kid Phantom Collection, it, it's a bit of a complete package. It's got a bit of everything, and I can understand why you might have gone that way. But I haven't actually seen it myself or flicked through it, so it would be fairly false to nominate that one. Uh, the Lightning Strike number one again. I haven't seen a, a hard copy, but I've, we've been lucky enough to see the PDF of that. Really nice story. But if I'm going to nominate my best non-fruit issue of the year, it will be one of the Avon novels, number seven, uh, which is The Mystery of the Seahorse. It's interesting, on Phantom Wiki, it says that that was written by, uh, I think, Frank Schultz. But in um, in the in the book itself, it nominates Lee Fork and Frank Schultz yeah. as number eight. So um, who knows? But anyway, in terms of a really entertaining read um, and, and sit down to, to read a novel as written by Lee Fork, or, or ghost written by someone else, um, that that would be my best non-fru issue of the year. You raise a good point about that confusion between Lee Falk and Frank Schultz, or whoever his real name is, Ron Gular, who yes, had his birthday yesterday, who is also the author of the uh, President Kennedy series as well. Now, I can't remember the exact story behind it, but I think it was a bit of a, a mix-up. I think from memory what happened was they approached Lee Fork to do the whole 15, and he didn't really want to do it or he didn't have the time. And so I think 
from memory, as the story goes, he suggested Ron Goulart or Frank um, as his pen name, and then that's how he did. I think he did majority of them. So mm-hmm. there's been. I think the whole mystery behind the Ghost Riders and the Rider and all that has probably been something that's really only been investigated more in probably the last 15 years as well. So um, uh, it's a bit of an interesting story. I might um, try and hunt down... I believe there's an article which explains it in great detail, so I might hunt that down and post it up on, on social media for any of those people who are interested or have come in late regarding that. Very good. Okay, so next one we're going to talk about, and we're flying through these, are the best story. Now, we're going to choose three of these. So, Stephen, do you want to go first, mate? Yeah, well, two that I'll name straight off the bat. Of course, it's got to be Reckoning of the Nomad, because I've already mentioned that a couple of times tonight. That was just had me glued to the... Had me read to read the paper every morning. Um, Which is what you want in a daily story. Yeah. Um, I don't actually read much of the other paper. I read the comics, maybe a bit of the sport, and then I've got to go do something else. So, um, And, yeah, I made sure I read, read it every morning. Um, this other story, um, Butterfly Man, that, I think that came out earlier on in the year, if I remember. Yes. Exactly. It's been a while since I've read it. But I remember that being a lot better than what I thought it was going to be, and um, and the bad guy being someone who you'd like to see more of or like to see how he got to his position of power. Um, so that, those are two that um, sprang out straight away. Um, and then you could throw a blanket over over third place. I, I think there's a... The, We've had an absolute well, no, wealth of um, fantastic stories this, this year, and... Um, yeah, you could put anything in third, and it'd be a good. Um, it'd be um, well deserved. Yeah, well deserved. That's what I'm looking for. Awesome, Dan. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'm. I, I agree with um, Steve there about his comments about Butterfly Man. That was probably a bit of a, a sleeper hit. Um, but I didn't get it into my top three. Um, I, I did get Reckoning of the Nomad. That was my clear favourite, I think, for Story of the Year. Um, and I know it wasn't published in Fru, or hasn't been yet, but uh, in terms of a story that, you know, it, it, we've already said, you just wanted to, to see the next bit, see the next bit. And um, for all the reasons that we discussed in the in the podcast that we had with Tony DePaul and Mike Manley as well, um, abs- absolutely sensational story and, and people who aren't keeping up with the newspaper strip and, and don't, haven't read that story um, you know hold on to your hats and uh, look for the publication of it by Fru and grab that one as soon as you can because it's a it's an absolute ripper um, my other two I you know, can't really separate them but Legacy of the Reef we've already mentioned I love the artwork of it um, but also just the way that it told a story and, and I mentioned it when we did the review of the uh, um, I think that was in 1820, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was in 1820, not in the trade paperback. Um, so Christopher Sequeira as the author there, he is a little bit um, wordy, I suppose, and, and Lot doesn't mm-hmm. mind writing a bit of dialogue, and it, and it is a bit of a read, um, but um, but I don't mind that at all. And the, the way that he explored, I guess, the human condition of this ordinary man who is the Phantom and the way that he particularly questioned is the way that I go about things, being the ghost who walks and, and my legacy, has that inspired 
um, I guess, a flip side, a negative, a, a dark side of that. And um, the questions that he had around his own, uh, what he was doing, I thought that was really compelling. It was a great story. So um, enjoyed that one com- completely. And my other one, again, I'm going to go back to a kid fandom story. And this one's um, the one that was in issue five, London Invaded, um, by Andrew Constant and Paul Mason again. I really enjoyed that one. I think there was a little bit of anticipation because we'd heard from Glenn Ford early in the piece that there was going to be um, some famous British figures and we were on the lookout for those and we finally saw the Beatles appear in the Kid Phantom. Uh, Muhammad Ali making an appearance, just the action of the whole of the whole story. And, of course, um, I, I must Most importantly... Must acknowledge, most importantly, uh, little cameos by uh, your three favourite fandom podcasters who, who made a brief <laughs> <That's> appearance <right. laughs> um, in, in that story. So uh, certainly wasn't the only reason, but it didn't didn't uh, didn't hurt in me remembering yes. that that story existed for sure when it came to considering <laughs> this. But yeah, those are my three favourites. Very good choices. Um, okay, so me. Butterfly Man just stuck with me that story, um, and like like Stephen said, it was released what eighteen oh five, almost a year ago, um, and for a story to kind of stick out to you and amongst you know the fifty sixty other stories that we saw by Free, it gets a mention by me. Red Zone for a lot of the reasons that I've already mentioned, and Mass Marvel, which is the Fork classic, I've I don't know. Lee Falk did about three or four stories of the Phantom having boxing matches and a bit of a, a Rocky fan, uh, you know, and I don't know, the Phantom just goes well in a boxing scenario like we saw with London Invaded and um, a few other mentions as well. So um, so that'll be mine. Now, I'm really, I'm really impressed, um, Jim. You've got um, a Lee Falk story into your best of. You've got Lee Falk as one of your best of authors, um, 19 years after he died, I haven't got him anywhere, and you're not a Forkist. Yeah, <laughs> but like what we've always said, Forkist is just blue fork, nothing else. I'm, I like other things, and I think other things have a, a have a uh, have an element and, and are needed, and have a you know have a part of the Phantom more, and that's where <laughs> we're a little bit different. Because I've right. never said that I don't like blue fork. Blue forks. You know, he's a legend. Uh, you know, don't always agree with everything he did and stuff like that. And he was a very forgetful person and didn't really care about <laughs> a lot of the finer details, which someone like me does. But um, he did do a lot of good stuff. That's right. I'm, ju- I'm just wanting you up and, in- and impressed by how many things from two and three and four decades ago were making it into your best of 2018. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and I know the, uh, the fruit issues are... Uh, in a sense, already selected from the replica series because, you know, they don't have to choose stories because they're the next stories. But I have to give credit to whoever chose these old classic Semic stories. I think they're very well chosen. And, um, and, and you know, we, we've had a great mix. And I've said it, you know, we've, we've had a great mix of new and old stories and there's, um, it's been good. So... Um, do you want to? Who wants to go through? So we'll do the the survey as the best oh, yeah. fruit story. So, so you've we, got the said, top ten, correct? Yeah, top ten again. We we said the best story as our category, and both 
Steve and I have put Reckoning of the Nomad, which obviously hasn't been published by Fru, but this is, I guess, the time to talk about uh, who the, the fans voted as their best Fru story of the year, as done by a survey. We should probably say that, um, of course, there is a best of 2018 uh, Fatulman survey out and about at the moment as well, and when the results of that are available, we'll uh, try and bring those to you as well. But this is for Fru. Um, so, again, our top ten, uh, the... Number one story, as voted by the fans, was from... It was a two-parter, Rise of the Red Dragon, from through 1813 and 1823, written by Dale McCanty and illustrated by Jason Paulos. So fantastic to see um, an Australian creating pair, um, creative pair uh, at the top of the ranks there. Um, interestingly, similarly in the way that Jason John, uh, Jamie Johnson took out the uh, the first three covers uh dale mccandy's got the top two stories because number two is child soldiers of macar which was um published in the 70th trade paperback with of course that fantastic and beautiful art by felmang um number three was london invaded by kid phantom number in kid phantom five by andrew constant and paul mason so that's our top three um rise of the red dragon child soldiers of macar and london invaded invaded kid phantom number five Interestingly, we have got a uh, tie for fourth place between three different stories. Uh, Curse of Old Man Moz, which was published in the Christmas special, the newspaper story, of course, the daily that um, was, was published in the newspapers through 2017, got into got into through in 2018, and that's uh, Tony DePaul and Mike Manley, and another couple of Kid Phantoms also tied for... Uh, number four, Quick Stop, by which was Kid Phantom 4, and Kids in the City in Kid Phantom 6, of course, both by Andrew Constant and Paul Mason. In seventh place, then, um, was another Kid Phantom. So four <laughs> of the top seven places filled by the four Kid Phantom stories issued this year, which I think is a, a really great result for those guys. So um, Kid Phantom 3 came in seventh. Eighth place was Red Zone by David Bishop and Rafa Ruiz, which was published in 1819, issue 1819. The Phantom by Gaslight chapters, which interestingly, we I think we only got chapters five and six, which were both published mm. in like January and February last year. We haven't seen it since, but it still managed to get into ninth place. So it just goes to show people are, are enjoying that story and we look forward to seeing it back sooner rather than later. And rounding out the top ten, we have the Black Dagger stories, issues 1807 and 1808, which was the, the two-parter there, um, by Clay Sramethi and Curry Lepinen. So there we have it, our top ten through stories of 2018. So I think it's the first time you mentioned, uh, well, first time we've mentioned Ramethi uh, throughout the whole podcast today. Yeah. I think last year you got a, a few mentions. I remember I nominated him for a few things, and you did too, Dan, but yeah, yeah this Dan year... Mentioned him. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but um, I guess there's a, a lot more local content in Fruz this mm. year, which is reflected mm. um, in the way people are voting. If we look at that, um, local or Australian authors are... People what, want local. Yeah, local authors are seven of the ten, um, top, top ten stories. Yeah, that was the point I was going to make. And David, and... David Bishop's a New Zealander, so I guess we're counting him too by your reckoning there. <laughs> uh, so it's eight of the top ten. <laughs> yes. The Farlap. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, um, a lot with Farlap. Um, the Finn Oscar brothers. Stuff. Yeah, there's been some musicians. Um, who's that actor? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Crow. Yeah. 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 
Um, so yeah, I'll applaud all of that. So no, I, that's that's the thing that got my attention as well is that there's a lot of Australians in there. So obviously, Australian readers like to see Australians getting a, getting a, a Guernsey or a Guernsey. All right. So one of the we've got what have we got? We've got four more things to cover, and we're just over an hour, so we're doing pretty good, well, guys. Um, okay, so best merchandise new in 2018. Now, from what we've understand, there's actually been less in 2018 than le- than yeah. 2017. Considerably which, less, really. Mm, um, so we'll quickly go through some. Now, we might have missed a couple, and if we have, please hit us up on social media, emails, and stuff like or, and stuff like that, and you can get a hold of us if you listen to the end of the um, podcast. Okay, so official stuff from Not Free. There is three calendars, which is Swedish, uh, the sorry, the Swedish Olympic uh, organisation, which is the Leaf Fork Memorial Bengala's Explorers Club. There's the Mallon one, which we've talked a lot about, and then there's also the German one as well, which, to be honest, we haven't talked much about, but they're all fairly similar in the way they do it. Slightly different format, but they're very similar. Um, the other one that I can remember is Phantom Met and Phantom Men did a newsletter, and oh no, no, they didn't do a newsletter. Sorry, they did a poster. So, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a stretch there. But they also did posters. Through did bookmarks. They did the poster set. Um, which had the six, if I remember rightly. Yeah, which had some uh, some Australian artists. They had the Christopher Well ones, um, Glenn Lumston, Jeremy McPherson, and I can't remember all the others. Sorry, they also had the Femme Fatale folio. They also had the giant size folio. They had the messenger bag. They had the 70th sketch cover and the universal card folder. And then there's also been some unofficial merchandise that we are aware of. We might have missed out on some in this regards. And they are some Guy Passant postcards and stickers and some Jamie Johnston posters and stickers as well that were released at Supernova. So um, I think all of us have chosen the same one. Hmm. So uh, should on the count of three, we just say it and then we can just move on. All right. <laughs> well... Well, well, how about we do this? So, yeah, so we all chose in the messenger bag. Dan, why did you choose the messenger bag in 10 yeah. words? Uh, well, as if I'm going to use 10 words or less, mate. I haven't done that <laughs> on any answer ever yet, and I've already done 20 in decrying that I'm going to use 10. So, um, look, I, I'm in the fortunate position where I've got, I think, other than the uh, the Swedish and the German calendar, I've got everything on that list that you've just said. Um, and to pick one is difficult, but I've landed on the messenger bag um, because it's different. It's it's something that we haven't seen before. And the folios, the sketch covers, the folders, um, yeah. as much as I love the calendar and I really, really, really love the Guy Passant postcards and stickers and the Jamie Johnson postcard, uh, posters are excellent, but the messenger bag is something different and new. And so uh, for that reason, I've landed on it as my best merchandise in 2018. Imagine what happens if I gave him a if I gave him a non-limit to explain that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, very good points, uh, Stephen. What do you what was the messenger bag yours? Uh, 
for pretty much what what uh, Dan said, I, I I really enjoy this bag. Um, I don't use it for work, like I've got my other laptop bag for that. But sometimes I need to bring a second computer in, so then I'll use my messenger bag for that. Um, I use it when I go away on PD, so any time I have to go to Melbourne for work or Sydney for work or anywhere else for work, I've always got that bag with me. Um, I was using it when I was doing my Christmas shopping to put all my stuff in, you know, little um, gifts and stuff. Um, and the amount of comments that I get from people um, when they see the bag is extraordinary. They all love it. Hope Hopefully they... Um, they do a bit of a Google search and find out where can I get one. Um, but yeah, at, at airports, at or well, in shopping centres when I was doing the, um, uh, the Christmas shopping, um, yeah, it's it's been mentioned a, a number of times. Um, mm. The bag and um, yeah, I like it and I, I like to think that um, yeah, I think of a little advertisement for it for um, when you're walking down like I'm thinking when I'm in Melbourne or something like that. And you just you take a photo, and you can't really see the the person's head or whatever, but you see see the bag, and you know, for when you need to walk the streets as an ordinary man, or mm. if it's a female wearing the bag, when you've got to walk the streets as an ordinary lady or woman or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's fantastic, and that that's um, not, all the other stuff has been fantastic as well. But yeah, I get I get the mess I get the most use out of um, the messenger bag. So are you going to get yourself a second one just to hang on to or as a collecting item or is is it just a practical use for you? It's practical for me at the moment. I still do have the second one here. I've got to, um, I've got to get in contact with, um, um, uh, what's his name, with Commissioner Gordon, Nick Gordon, because um, I've still got his. Other oh. <laughs> from, um, I haven't passed it on yet. I was meant to um, give him a... I'll give him a message tomorrow and say, what are you up to over the next couple of weeks? I've still got your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I think Stephen said more than you tomorrow, uh, in that one, Dan. Um, <laughs> well, I was limited to 10 words or less, so I really had to trim it down. <laughs> oh, classic. Um, no, it raised some good points. Um, bags are one of the, probably, you know, one of those items that we haven't seen many of. Um, I've got, Three other licensed bags in my collection. I've, no, four. So, four? Yeah. I've got uh, two Swedish ones, two Australian ones, and then this one. You've got the movie one, one that was released in the 90s, and then two Swedish ones as well. So, um, you know, there's been a couple, but, um, you know, it's you know, it's by far one of... It's, it's memorable. So, um, yeah, for a lot of the points that everyone else has said, um, and it was a bit of a, a no-brainer on um, uh, the best memorabilia piece for the year. And I still can't use mine because uh, <laughs> um, for everyone who was at Supernova, you would um, you would know why. And I haven't got myself a second one yet, but I will eventually. So mine's collecting dust in my phantom room at the moment. Okay, so a best addition to the collection. Um, so these are some um, just some things that we've picked up in the um, you know in the year, and there's just a couple of things that you know everyone's picked up that is memorable. So one of mine would be a print. Well, it's actually a set of three printers plates. Now, for those who know their fruitology. 
they will know of the best wishes the phantom like a little poster with the phantom's face and it's got the red background and it's got that little um uh fancy little border the yellow border do you guys know that one yeah i've, mm. I've got one of those in a frame that was wasn't mm-hmm. that offered as a um uh, as a bonus to oh you, you yeah. can ride in and get it through the 70s yes. am i right Something like that. So, and then they then they gave a whole heap of them out as well. So, I've actually got the printing plates to that. Oh, wow. So that was a um, uh, and a printing plate was something that I'd been wanting to add to my collection for probably twenty years. That's fairly um, sizable too. Like in terms of printers, mm, is it heavy? Yeah, they're, they're the three of them are quite heavy. Um, so that was something I went after a printer's plate for, like I said, about 20 years. Um, and, you know, I did do a little bit of um, uh, work at a newspaper and stuff like that. So the printing process has always intrigued me. And I've got a wood mat, which is what they actually pour the metal in to make the printer's plate of a strip. And what I also wanted was actual printer's plate. So I was able to add a printer's plate to my collection. And then I've also managed to pick up a couple of um, uh, original artwork, including three covers and some from... Hang on, hang on. Just back up a little bit. You said you had three. What are the other two printer's plates to? Well, no, they're the actual three printer's plate for that one. Because oh, is that the three, three process or something? Yeah, they use one each plate for each different colour. Oh, right. So, um, yeah, so it's, Okay, all right. Yeah, and... A couple of people that have seen my collection since I've had it, they've all made mention of it as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit unique um, and it's, you know, everyone knows of that picture. So I'm quite privileged and very, you know, enjoyed that in my collection. Um, the other thing is there's a couple of pieces, but I'll kind of merge it as one. And that's some original artwork. Um, artwork t- is seemingly to be on the rise in 2017 and 2018, um, and I managed to pick up a couple of fruit covers and some story art from some fruit stories as well. So um, that's probably uh, something else that has uh, intrigued me and um, I've been adding to my collection. It's been a bit of a quieter year than normal because, uh, you know, I've had my second child, which means my exposable income is down a little bit. Uh Sorry, I've missed the page. Stephen, who's you next? What? Yeah, um, I, I've gone down the the art um, tunnel as well because um, I, I like it because if you if you got um, you know, original art, no one else has it. It's yours. No one else, you know that no one else has that piece. So that's mm-hmm. one one thing that I like about um, getting the art. Um, having said that, I picked up a couple of prints this year um, at Supernova um, and I, I got the, the Fanto one that, that um, Jamie Johnson did and he did a little extra little sketch on that to make it a bit more unique, which is excellent. Um, but I'll have to see um, the two sketch covers that I got done um, there at Supernova. So um, Glenn Ford uh, did one, which was nice, and Paul Mason did one with the Phantom knocking out a Cyberman from Doctor Who. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> you're not going to see many of those around. <laughs> no, you're not. No. So, uh, um, so, yeah, something nice and unique. Awesome. Dan? Uh, I found it actually interesting because I've got a, um, a spreadsheet where I like keep all of my um, uh, Phantom gear and 
um, when I when I sorted that by date acquired so I could see what I'd picked up in 2018, I was a bit surprised at this, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and, and this is that's, that's all around June, was it? That. <laughs> it is, it is. You do, you just go, oh, I'm going to pick up this here. Obviously, June is a big month while you're at Supernova and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, anyway, um, so I've got a, I was surprised by some of the things which I really love, and I was surprised that they I picked them up in 2018. And probably top of the list is going to be the 99.94 print <laughs> poster of the 22nd Phantom, um, the one of the uh, – by Paul Newton, it's got um, Kit – Sitting at the um, in the Chronicle room, reading through the Chronicles, and um, in the background of the, fo- of, the of the print is um, you know Adventures of the Phantom. You can just see it in his imagination, and it's a it's an image that I've loved for many 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 years. Um, saw it in in full size so the original at the Phantom Art Show. Um, the 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 image of Kit reminds me a great deal of my own son, and um, just I've loved that print for a long time, and so to pick that up. Um, is a real you know bucket list item for me, so I was really pleased with that. Um, another thing that um, was completely unexpected, picked up at the Lee Fork Memorial Bangala Explorers Club. I've got those in the wrong order. Dinner um, <laughs> at, at, at the auction there, and that was the original designs for the Croftminster rings, which were the rings that I that I wear when I go to Phantom dinners and such. Um, that mostly because they fit, but I also love the design. Um, <laughs> and Steve Pinozo had donated his original designs for the boxes and the rings. Um, no, not the not the rings. Sorry, the boxes that they they, they come in the little chests. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to pick those up at the auction, so that was a big tick for me. And um, the last thing, and a very surprising thing, for Christmas we do a secret Santa in my family, and um, my secret Santa. So has delivered me a skull throne. Um, so <laughs> I, I can't leave that off my list. I've got a skull throne now, something I can sit on. Um, it was lacking the chain of patience, so I've added that. Uh, but other than that, it's a... It's, Isn't that uh, the three kids? <laughs> the patience. <laughs> um, it's, it's just fantastic. I can sit there and survey my collection. Uh, it's got storage underneath. It's uh, It's got skulls with... Um, uh, glow in the dark eyes. It's it's actually pretty similar to the skull throne that was in the Phantom Art Show. For anyone who's seen that or images of that, so um, they've done really really well. And I and I can't let this list, list elapse without mentioning uh, without mentioning that one. So uh, yeah, but the, as I say, the print was. Um, I've been looking at for that for a long time, so I'm really pleased to have that one. I need to get it framed it up on the wall now. Mm, that's a nice save after you've. Uh let your wife into the secret that you write down everything you've brought and how much money you've spent on it. And uh, now you, we know what your wife is doing right now. She has pressed paused, and uh, she's hunting through all your computer files for that. <laughs> what are we, an hour 20 in? There's no way she's still listening. <laughs> I say confidently. Love you, babe. <laughs> okay, so guys, what was your best Chronicle Chamber moment. Let's be a little bit egotistic and talk about us for a second. Um, so I want to go first. So it would have to be Sydnova or Supernova or Sydney Supernova um, with the different ways you want to say it. And the worst would have to be Stephen snoring. Um, <laughs> everyone who's listened to the podcast will be able to hear a, a quick audio grab of what it was like to share a room with Stephen. And after that night, I have a lot of sympathy 
and a lot of admiration for Stephen's wife. And it's no wonder <laughs> she gets sleep in quickly when you're doing a podcast. <laughs> yes. But the good thing about... um about my sleeping habits is that um, when I go on school camps I've always got a room to myself <laughs> yeah. no one shares with me and if you, they do they do it for one night <laughs> what's that? you should get an entire wing or a block to yourself <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Stephen what was your best Chronicle Chamber moment? Oh, sleeping like a rock up in Sydney I think was <laughs> <laughs> No, the, the whole supernova weekend, the, the whole thing was fantastic. The um, the train rides, the actual supernova, the the um, Leafal Memorial Bangalore Explorers Club dinner, um, the auction, the chatting with people, meeting you guys for the first time. Um, it was all the the whole weekend was just awesome. Um, unfortunately, um, I can't make it. Next or this year now we're into 2019, um, so I won't be able to make it this weekend, uh, th- uh, this year. Um, but I expect to be there again the year after. So, That's uh, good. It was yeah, an absolute ripper weekend, and and thank you to everyone who was there and came up and talked to me and all that sort of stuff. It was just fantastic. Mm. So how did you find like the fact that I guess. It was your first time and you were meeting a lot of people for the first time. Were, were everyone, like, um, what's the word, uh, like, like accepting, you know, yeah, welcoming. and Yeah, well, like friendly, that. welcoming. Um, like, I had met a few people before, um, like Bradley and, and um, Jimmy James and a, a few others. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, getting to, uh, I think it was that first night at the pub, I think, um, where we first got to meet a lot of people. And um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a, fan, a phenomenal weekend. And so, anyone who who has ever thought about, oh, you know, I should go to that, go to it. It is an absolute brilliant weekend. You will enjoy yeah. yourself. Save though, save up your money. It's it's not a cheap weekend. <laughs> no, to be honest, including airfares, unless you're lucky enough to live in um, Sydney, including airfares, accommodation, spending money, eating money, you're probably looking at. Between $1,000 and $1,500. Jim, I know I said my wife was probably not listening by now, but honestly, <laughs> why would you, why were you going to throw numbers around? <laughs> so that way you have no spending money. Because so I, um, I was actually eyeing off those original designs for the Croftminster rings as well. So, um, yeah. You got tapped out, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I got, got tapped cut out off. the second day. I'm sure you picked up something you liked. <laughs> Um, so for my best Chronicle Chamber moment, look, uh, it would be easy and honest to say the Sydney Supernova weekend as well. I am going to throw in the the interview that we had with uh, Tony DePaul and Mike Manley because that was oh, yes, yes, of course. just an extraordinary experience to be able to talk to those guys and um, so that we could release the podcast and the interview on the same day that the, the story mm-hmm. finished. We recorded it two weeks before the story had finished and, and Tony and Mike were nice enough to share the last two weeks of the story before it got published so you know to walk around a little bit smug knowing that you know how the story <laughs> ends um, because you've had that conversation but then honestly to be able to to bring the insights that they had about the story and their thoughts and the process to everybody um, that's yeah. the reason why I do this you know to be able to to get a little bit of extra information that you can share with people um, so I really loved that but um, 
so in terms of away from Supernova, that was absolutely a highlight. Uh, that said, the the Sydney Supernova, as as Stephen said, um, it, it probably surprises people, etc. And we've said this before, but that was the first time the three of us have ever um, laid eyes on each other for the first time, and and to to share a room and to uh, cement those connections, to have our first ever physical AGM. Oh my uh, gosh, sounding very romantic there, Dan. No, uh, just, I, just as well while I was out listening to it, they might think that something more's going on. <laughs> Oh, you interpret that however you like, mate. But uh, the fact that we were able to sit there and have our first AGM and, and um, <laughs> we we had some productive and meaningful uh, going forward progress on Chronicle Chamber. The, P, the P3, I think, really came into its own with some of the discussions we had that weekend. And um, we were able to move the, the whole project of Chronicle Chamber forward um, considerably. It's amazing how much you can get done in a half-hour conversation that would take you six and a half weeks on messenger chats. Um, you know, so I thought that was really, really good. And of course, the, uh, the going around and, and recording different conversations and, uh, uh, the development or the, the, uh, the pod bomb that we did with the Amanda Backy <laughs> most popular podcast, uh, that was, uh, that was a bit of fun too at the Lee Fork dinner as well. So, uh, look, it's been, it's been a fantastic year for Chronicle Chamber and, mm. um, and I've really enjoyed every minute of it. And, um, yeah, looking forward to, to, to 2019. We've had a couple of weeks off, or I certainly have, where I went on a, a Gold Coast holiday where I couldn't connect to the internet with my laptop, so I've done nothing for a fortnight. Uh, it's probably about time to get back involved. Um, but uh, if 2019 can replicate 2018, um, then I think we'll be doing pretty well for ourselves. Yeah, there's about five articles for you, ready for you to edit as well. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Maybe I should have a look at those. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Definitely, definitely agree. A lot of good points there. Um, An overall reflection on 2018. So this is from a free point of view, from a worldwide publisher point of view, worldwide publisher's point of view, and also any general comments. Dan, you're on a bit of a roll, so you want to go again, mate? Yeah, okay. This will will mean people can just skip five, ten minutes at a time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Look, I think from a worldwide should I give point another of view, twenty? Should I give you another twenty-word limit? <laughs> <laughs> um, from a global perspective, it is really sad to see the disappearance of Phantomet in Norway. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't follow Scandinavia stuff a lot, but I think that, um, as I said at the time, to lose the publishing language that uh, so it's going to get published in one less language. It's it's one less country that's being published in. That's not a good sign. So to, to lose it in a country and to have that language lost to the fandom is, is sad and the flow-on effects for that are potentially, you know, we don't know what that's going to mean for, for Egmont and Sweden, etc. in a more broad sense. Um, so that's disappointing and I, and I hope that they can recover from that. Um, locally in Australia, look, 2018 was fantastic with Fru. We've already spoken about the extra publications that they've put out there and all the rest of it. I just hope they can maintain the rage through 2019. It was an mm. insane publishing schedule um, and, um, you know, hats off to the, the very small crew that work at Fru and the, the efforts that they've put in. And I can, I really hope that they, um, you know, have had the, the rest that they need over the holiday period as well and, and can come back into it. And I, I don't know whether we can expect that they're always going to be able to maintain that sort of a pace, but, um, fingers crossed. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah, so we'll we'll just see, um, and uh, I guess it'd be nice to see if you know, we've already talked about the collectibles and the merch sort of dropped off a little bit. It'd be nice to see that pick up a little bit again. But uh, so a question would, what would be better? Because 
the previous year, Fru released more merchandise, but they released fewer comics. That was in 2017. 2018, we've had more comics, but less merchandise. So you raised a good point about can Fru continue the manic publishing date of literally a comic every week. Mm. Um, so what, what, what? I guess the question for both of you is, would you prefer the number of comics or would you prefer the number of comics to go down a little bit and maybe a little bit more merchandise? I wouldn't want the comics to go down. Mm. So to you, the comics are more important than the merchandise? Yes. Dan? Absolutely. The stories are more important. One word answer. No. <laughs> okay. That's what that's what my answer was going to be. So why would it be? So why would you like? Why is it a no for you? I'm not even sure what I'm saying no to. <laughs> you, said, <laughs> you said one word. I should have said maybe. Um, <sighs> okay, I'll go. I still like to see the merch, but I think the the stories are more important. But I still like to see more merch coming out. Mm. Well, it, should, it shouldn't be just all on through though. Yes, I would no. agree with that. That's a good, very good point. Like, I Absolutely. Think, but I th- I'd, yeah, and I think through even with what they released last year is a very was still a very good number. But we've seen in the last couple of years we've seen um oh, who's that who's that um is it. Icon, Icon, Icon collectibles. has stopped releasing stuff. They didn't release anything last year. Um, then you've they also still owe us got, a Phantom with Devil statue from the competition we ran for them. Then you've also got um, uh, Bradford Exchange as well that have mm. lost or lost or cancelled or finished their license, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, you know, there hasn't, there hasn't really been anything from anywhere else. Like I think in 2017 we saw some Indian merchandise as well, but they haven't done anything more. So, you, you know... I'd love to see some new cool shirts. If the company could yeah. go make some you know, cool T-shirts and put them in a big man size, um, <laughs> I'd be really happy. Mm. Mm. And, yeah, just, and like you said, this shouldn't all be on Fru. Fru's making a, no. a, a a quality product in their comics and books and stuff. That's it. The, they're they're a be... comic book publishing company, and they're, yeah. they're very good at what they do. And and for people to have any sort of expectation around, oh, they should also do, yeah. you know, that whatever. Well, no, they they, they do enough. It's it's there's got to be yeah. other companies step up. Well. Mm. There's, there's a saying in Australia right. which is called uh, batting above your average, which is usually talked about when people land a hot partner. Um, but through are batting above their average. Yes. Um, batting above know. their weight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. batting above their weight. Punching, yeah. um, Punching above their weight. Yeah, that's the word. Punching that's above their weight. Thing. Yeah. Whatever, we get there eventually. But the point, the point <laughs> is, is that, you know, they're a team of what five um and they're producing you know last year they produced something every week or even more than that once you include all their merchandise they released at supernova and all that if you add it all up it was every week on average they were releasing something new and um when 
uh, when before the free crew, they were producing 31 to 32 issues a year, and last year we had 46, which is another 15 issues, um, or another you know 15 comics slash issues and stuff. So, um, it, it, yeah, it's it's just interesting, and um, you know, I don't know whether it's because of the merchant merchandise, um, the licensing fees, or, or, or whatever, but um, I think. In my opinion, for the Phantom to be successful, we need more merchandise, but we also need um, Kid Phantom to continue. And my overall reflection of 2018 is 2019 needs to be a step up from 2018 from the Kid Phantom point of view, because I think that is key, but I also think 2019 needs to be a step up from other companies need to bite the bullet. And whether that's King Features and Merchant Wise need to loosen, loosen the reins a little bit or whether someone needs to bite the bullet and do it, but for the Phantom to continue, because we've seen what happens when when um, when it's just the older people that are buying the magazine, comics and publishing lines disappear. And we've seen that with Phantom Ant. Um, and for free and for Australian... Phantom Legacy to continue, we need those two things to to rise from the ashes to a phoenix. And Kid, Kid Phantom is doing good. Like you know, if you look at the, if you look at our top votes, you know they were what I think I think you said they had the four issues were in the top seven. Yeah, that's right. But um, you know, I I think it needs to continue with that. Like Kid Phantom needs to go to another level, and so does the merchandise because. I think when the Phantom was the most popular in the last 20, 30 years was, if not even more, was when there was cool merchandise stuff to buy. Whether you're mm. talking about the Granny Maze influence, the Phantom Club uh, influence in the 80s and all these other types of stuff. And that's when, you know, people were able to buy mugs or shirts or boxes for their dads for Father's Day and for Christmases and mm. stuff like that. And so that's... That's where I, that's my overall reflection of 28. And, and I guess on that, Fru's doing everything that they can. Um, you know, Egmont is going backwards at the moment with Phantomet closing down and um, the way that they're approaching it. They're a company with a lot more dollars behind them and, and Phantomen is just one little, uh, you know, one little branch on their tree, so to speak. Um, so I'd like to see them probably do a little bit more. Um, and, but at the end of the day... You know, big mama here is King Feature Studio uh, Syndicate, and if they can be doing something about a um, a movie, I mean, at the end of the day, if if there was a Phantom movie, the rest of it would follow would flow. Um, yeah. So that'd be a, a fantastic big ticket item. Um, whether I'm not going to hold my breath for that, um, that'd be fantastic to see come um, because everything else would flow from that. Um, exactly. In the meantime, it'd be fantastic to see Icon do do something else. It'd be fantastic to see, you know, Dark Horse or um, uh, who else has done stuff in the past. Croftminster, we've already mentioned tonight. You know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of little companies, but um, is it on them or is it, the, it really incumbent on King Features to actually step up and go, well, how are we going to promote this brand? How are we going to advance it into the future so that it doesn't all wrap up? Yeah, we all want to see the fandom get to 100 years old and... Um, you know, yep. let's just hope it does. Very well. Stephen, anything you want to add? 
Um, yeah, well, my reflection on 2018, I think it's been a great year um, for the Australian fan, like for all the reasons we've said so far in regards to the comic and um, and, and what Fru's been doing. Um, when you're talking about going forward and, and merchandise, um, and I've said, I've said this ever since I've been on to the on the podcast um, when we talked about golden eras and that and the golden eras coming back until we see the phantom in shops like target kmart big w then we're not in a golden era we've got to make uh, this merchandise more ex- accessible to people um like when we're talking about king features and all that sort of stuff um i'm assuming that things like betty like i've seen betty boop and um popeye Things on on King Features are, are they owned by? Yes. Are they like? Yep. Yeah. Well, I see them on Kmart and Target T-shirts. Why can't we have the Phantom there? We've got um, yes, yeah, so we've got Betty Boop, we've got Popeye, we've got um, countless things on DC and Marvel heroes everywhere. Um, so, but you've still got those Popeye and Betty Boop. So why can't we have the Phantom on a Target or Kmart or Big W T-shirt? Um, and Mr. Big Size, that would be fantastic um, for me. Yeah. But um, otherwise, yeah, that, that's what I'd like to see for in 2019. Um, the, the merch, yeah, more merch, more accessible, rather than having to go on the internet and finding it in Phantom's Vault or, or on eBay or anything like that. Um, or was it Redbubble, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, make it official, put it in department stores. Very good. All right, um, Dan. Anything you want to add or know? I'll take silence as a no. So, is if you have anything, oh, oh. is Dan even there? Why well, now? I am. Sorry, um, yeah. Stephen was prattling. I was muting. <laughs> he does that, doesn't he? Mutes while I prattle, <laughs> which is interesting because he probably prattles the most. <laughs> That's a fair it's, call. He, do, he doesn't mute when, when you talk because he knows he's going to disagree and so he's got to jump no, in. No, that's stuff. exactly right. When, when well, I I'm talk, he's going to be ready to jump in at any moment. <laughs> there was um, one of the comments you made. Uh, what was it called? It was um, you called yourself a Tommy... What was Tommy it? Takeover. Tommy Takeover or something. That was like the funniest thing I heard all... Uh, <laughs> Uh, probably in all the podcasts. Where was that on the uh, at the Brisbane Supernova? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that topic that we've just discussed actually was mentioned a little bit in that um, uh, in that Supernova um, recording. So that was awesome. So um, so if you need if you want to add any comments about what we just said, uh, feel free to add them in the Facebook. Uh, chat or in an email with us or even if you want to write an article about what you think and stuff like that send it to us and stuff like that because we're always on the lookout for people to uh, to submit interesting ideas and, and things like that um, but uh, I guess that's everything that uh, from the best of 2018 so it's been a huge year um, so we are thankful for fruit for every other publisher and every other um, uh, company that has produced something phantom uh, in 2018. Um, we love you. Our wives don't, but do not let that um, <laughs> get you down because, uh, yeah, you've done a great job uh, through Egmont uh, and all the other people like Herms, Lightning Strikes, etc., um, etc. Et so... Um, 
Normally, uh, as you will be aware, um, we are a we are a Patreon supported um, podcast. So basically, if you support us, it helps us to pay the bills. So we've had a new Patreon supporter in the last uh, month or two, which is uh, and his name is Christopher. Oh crap! My computer just did something. Witome, Witome, Christopher Witome. Um, it's decided to try and do an update while I was in the middle of trying to pronounce Chris's name. I, I, I'm pleased you're starting to come up with excuses for the pronunciations. <laughs> oh, that was classic. Um, sorry about that, Chris. I didn't do that on purpose. Um, HP decided to try and do an update. Um, by the time this has come out, we should have a couple of new uh, additions. Uh, if not, it will be very, very close. So. Um, what we are planning on doing for the month of January or February is an order of service from Lee Fork's funeral service. Order of service from, yes, uh, which was courtesy of a Phantom fan, Jamie Diaz. Various Norwegian newspaper articles from Thomas. Uh, a range of 99.94 items, including the remainder of the newsletter, correspondence from artists, and a proposal for the eighth painting, which never was never uh, published as well, mm. uh, never painted. Sorry, and then very very special. Um, no, only joking. Uh, an English translation of uh, I'm assuming that's supposed to be Jermaine's article in the Italian. <laughs> Did you write this? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was wondering if you'd spot that actually (laughs) so for those who have come in late um, there's been a a magazine that's just come out um, late last year which we didn't actually put into the podcast but which is called Fimo di China which is a Italian fan pop culture type of magazine it's got a beautiful cover by Massimo Gambera and then it's got an even better uh, article. Uh, <laughs> it's got a, a an interesting article uh, by myself, which is basically why the Phantom is popular in Australia. And so, what we're going to be doing is we've got an English translation of that, which we will uh, put up on the P3, and then we are also going to give away one of these magazines as well. But that competition will come probably towards the end of this month. Now, for those who don't know, the P3 or the Phantom Preservation Project is uh, basically where we collect interesting stuff or cool stuff and we preserve it. Of it has something to do with the Phantom. We've got heaps and heaps of stuff. There's an index online so you can have a look at it. Uh, and basically, if you help support us by $5 or more a month, Basically, you get access to this. There's a whole level range of rewards in uh, in the Patreon, um, and we recommend, we hope, we beg, we ask that you will help support us because basically it helps us keep the website going, uh, helps us call uh, guests for podcasts on the phone and everything like that as well. So we thank you for everyone who's done that, including Chris, who has jumped on recently as well. So, of course, you can keep in touch with us via the website, which is chroniclechamber.com. You can email us, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. And then, we, of course, we have our social media links, which we do try and keep on top of. We have Facebook, which is Chronicle Chamber Phantom Fan Page. And then there's also Phantom Collector Group. In Twitter, there's at Chronicle Tweets. And Instagram, there is at Chronicle Chamber.
And of course, to receive all of the latest podcasts in your inbox or in your podcast player as soon as possible, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app, which is Podbean. Uh, there's an FM one and there's a whole bunch of other ones as well. So if you basically whatever podcast app you are using, if you search for The Phantom or Chronicle Chamber or even The X-Band, you should find us. And if you give us a rating, uh, preferably a five, because that feeds our ego, um, you also help us be found easier by people who are the next person who needs to look for us. So, um, Dan, Stephen, uh, always a pleasure. Love your input. Um, love the fact that we were able to do the best of 2018. It's been an awesome year. Um, from myself, happy Phantoming. Happy Phantoming. Happy Phantoming, everybody, and happy 2019. May it be a good one. Did I? We're less than two hours. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The ghost who walks. Enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds you.